Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we're back. Uh, you know, we had a week off, Eddie, and uh, we're going to get everybody caught up on the World Cup of Hockey. We got uh, some things we guessed right, some things we didn't guess right. So we'll cover that. We'll talk about the Ducks camp. You know, it's uh, uh, the Ducks season is about to get started soon. We um, got the preseason coming up here, and we're going to talk about uh, what happened at the uh, training camp and what's going on with uh, you know Lindholm and Raquel, and uh, we have some injury news and other player news. So we're going to get to all of that, plus some league news, and uh, we'll get you caught up in all of that and talk about our contest. We have a lot of uh, tickets that we're going to give away. We'll mention those at the end of the show. Uh, but first, let's get back to the uh, the World Cup of Hockey here, Eddie. Uh, we've got the final coming up here as Team Canada against Team Europe. And uh, kind of a surprise on one side. You know, we, we expected Canada to do well, and they went far, obviously, and they're in the, the uh, final matchup here. But uh, Team Europe surprised and uh, ended up beating Team Sweden to get into this matchup, Eddie. Yeah, and, and you know, when we were previewing the groups before, we said, you know, there's a chance Team Europe could surprise um, and grab second from either the U.S. Or, or Canada, and obviously, you know, the U.S. had a terrible tournament, and, and Europe was able to capitalize and, and you know take that that second spot, only losing to to Canada. So, I mean, it's, it's great for them. And really, when they moved on, we're like, okay, this is, this is probably as far as they can go. They're going to have to play either Russia, Sweden, or North America at the time. Um, and then obviously they go in against Sweden, uh, who topped their group um, and, and looked really, really good. And in all the games that they played, even the loss they had in overtime against North America, they played a good game there. And they they shocked them and went and went in overtime. And now they got to go and play Canada. And you know, obviously Canada is the huge favorite. Uh, you know, winning all their games so far and looking pretty dominant in in every game that they've played. But you know, it's a best of three and. The way Europe's been upsetting everybody, you know, they, they've got a chance to win this whole thing. And I, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting the way it worked out. I mean, in the in the different brackets and whatnot, and um, the way Russia was able to win that tiebreaker over, uh, you know, North America because, you know, essentially they beat them head to head. So that was a little bit of a surprise there because, you know, we, we thought North America was another one that would go up there, uh, Team Sweden. Uh, but I would have to say in this whole thing, Eddie, the, the biggest disappointment has to be Team USA. I mean, not even winning a game, Eddie, and, uh, you know, the blame game went around after that. Everybody was talking about, you know, towards YC, the coach, and, and the lineup, and, you know, that they were so focused on beating, you know, your team, Team Canada. And it, it almost seemed like Team USA just forgot about everybody else. I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams in this competition. It's It's not just U.S. against Canada. I mean, obviously, you and I... Yeah, focus on that because that's where we're from. But uh, I, I think Team USA, uh, I think they just lost focus, Eddie. I, I think that uh, that's the reason why they were the biggest uh, disappointment in this whole uh, tournament so far. Yeah, and, and even with Finland going 0-3, it's not as you know a big of a disappointment, uh, at least in the general standing. You know, you look at the teams that they're facing, Russia, North America, Sweden, I think we'd all say that those were better teams in, in, in any way. But U.S. was expected to at least grab second, if not challenge Canada for first in the group. Um, and they couldn't even, you know, get a consolation prize and, and beat the Czechs, and they finished, you know, 0-3 in the group 
and yeah, it has to be the disappointment. I mean, maybe even a bigger surprise than than Team Europe making the final is the U.S. not even winning a game, and and really being competitive in the games that they played in. So, I mean, it, they lost three uh, nothing to Europe, four two to Canada. They lost four three to the Czechs. And that was the the closest game that that they played in. So. I mean, disappointing for them, a lot of criticism towards, obviously, the coach and, and the general manager and the roster that was put together. I mean, we, we saw a tweet from, from Phil Kessel, who was also critical of, of the lineup that was put together, too. So a huge disappointment for them and, and really probably the biggest surprise of the tournament. Yeah, you know, in that tweet, I'll uh, I'll read that for everybody now in case you uh, you didn't see that. I I thought it was kind of funny that the tweet, but then uh, you know, obviously uh, afterwards, some of the players weren't happy about it. We'll we'll get into that a little bit, but basically that that night when uh, um, that you know the U.S. wasn't doing well and they lost to Canada and ended up you know we basically knew they were done. Uh, you know, Phil Kessel tweets out. Um, you know, quote, just sitting around the house with my dog, felt like I should be doing something important, but couldn't put my finger on it, end quote. And, uh, you know, obviously it got uh, 75,000 uh, retweets, so, um, or I'm sorry, 7,500 uh, retweets. So, um, you know, it blew up and, and it went on from there. And, you know, obviously Kessel, you know, if you, um, you know, know beat um, San Jose in the Stanley Cup final with Pittsburgh. And obviously, you know, had some some choice words back towards Toronto and their media. So, of course, he takes the opportunity now to say something. And some of the USA players got upset about this, Eddie. But he came out and said it wasn't about that at all. It's just, you know, obviously he felt that the roster could have been a little bit different. And it would have been nice to have that opportunity to play. So, uh, I, you know, I, I thought it was humorous. But I guess some of the players didn't, Eddie. Yeah, no, I thought it was a funny tweet. Um, you know, I can see where the players would be frustrated with it. Obviously, they've played the, their hearts out in the tournament they they wanted to win and it's disappointed to see a guy who wasn't invited to camp be criti- critical of the players who did play there you know he would not to say even if he was on the team if they were going to do any better if not I think it was just the whole you know approach by the U.S. team in general so I could see where the players come from but let's be honest it was a funny tweet like it, it was pretty funny <laughs> to see that I think a lot of people were surprised when he initially was left off the roster with his impact for the Penguins in the playoffs um but it, it it is funny. I mean, I mean, you saw quotes from Stepan and and Parise and even Palmieri and and how they were reacting to the tweet. And most of them were negative. Um, you know, saw a couple guys understood it. It was wasn't meant to be taken in that way. But you know, all in all, it, it was a funny tweet, and, and it, it probably made the, a lot of U.S. fans nights, even though they were out of the tournament. So. Yeah, that's for sure, Eddie. And uh, you know, with that, I mean, it, all that's left now is Canada and Europe. Uh, they're going to be playing today, and they're going to have uh, the way it works is it's um, it could be two games or three games essentially. It's you know a three game playoff basically, and uh, if somebody wins two, then they're the winner. So um, it could end that way. So we'll just have to stay tuned and see. Uh, obviously, Canada is the favorite to win this. Europe is the underdog. Um, as as you had mentioned before, we had talked about them making a surprise to get into you know in the in the group to advance the second round. And then, obviously, they, they've gone all the way to the final. So it'll be interesting to see. I still think Canada's going to win. And uh, with that, you know, the Ducks camp started uh, this last week. And it was kind of a different feel, Eddie, because, you know, with this World Cup of Hockey going on, we have a lot of the, the Ducks players, you know, 10 players that went 
uh, to the tournament. Obviously, nine participated. Uh, Raquel, which we'll get to, didn't play, and we'll talk more about that. But you had all those players go. You had Ducks Camp open up last week on Friday. Uh, it was a little bit of a different feel, Eddie. It was kind of kind of strange because you didn't have most of the starting lineup there. Um, it's just kind of it's different, you know. Um, obviously, Gibson. Uh, Botnan and Kessler, they came back over the weekend uh, because, you know, their teams were one of the first ones eliminated and um, everything. But it was just a different feel, Eddie. It's just kind of interesting. And we'll get into some of the fan questions, but it's really going to, you know, affect, you know, the Ducks lineup here and and how it's going to go maybe, uh, you know, this preseason. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys are going to to have to rest, like you said. We've seen it. Obviously, Raquel probably won't feature. Uh, at least in the early on with him having to rest uh, since having surgery. And we're not sure what uh, Lindholm's going to do, obviously coming uh, coming back from recently playing with Sweden and uh, his contract issues still, you know, obviously being an issue for the Ducks. Um, and then you look at Getzlaff and Perry who are still at the tournament um, and, and, you know, Kessler coming back from the tournament and other guys. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to rest. And, you know, the first few games we could be seeing a lot of uh, ice time for for some guys like Shea Theodore and Brandon Montour and Nick Ritchie until you know some of these guys get back and ready to go and you know I'm not against that I mean the preseason is about seeing you know uh, what rookies are, are able to stay up and play obviously you want to see some of the the main guys get in and get game ready but I think you know the World Cup of Hockey almost is a, a bit of a preseason for these guys and it's almost better than the preseason because they get to play against you know best versus best. Um, I'm sure we'll see them feature later on. There is a, what seven games, so I'm sure they'll feature at some point. Maybe not Getzlaff and Perry, just because uh, the you know if this does go to three games, that takes it into October. So I mean, I'm not sure if uh, if they'll feature in any of them, or if not, maybe just a couple. But um, you know, it, it's always a good thing when you get some of these guys to get more ice time. Obviously, Shady Theodore is going to be fighting for a spot. We already talked about Nick Ritchie as well. He's going to be fighting for a spot, and some of these other guys who are kind of on the borderline, like Montour and some others. So I think it's a, it's a good chance for them right now uh, to step up and, and show that they uh, belong on their opening night roster. Yeah, and that's basically you know they had a, a scrimmage on Monday at uh, ten o'clock at Anaheim Ice. Um, uh, and it was interesting because, you know, in the scrimmage, uh, it basically was all these newer players like you're talking about, or the younger guys, you know, Theodore, Richie, um, you had Hackett and goal, you had Boyle and goal, Tokarski. I mean, you had, you know, all those uh, newer players or players that have been pretty much with the goals basically playing in this game, which there was Team Orange, there was Team Black. Um, Team Orange ended up winning 4-2. to two. Uh, uh, Richie had a goal in there. You talked about him. Um, that was probably one of the more highlighted uh, plays that he had throughout that um, contest. Uh, Camarosa also scored a goal for Team Orange. Uh, Tyler Soy, he had one as well. And, um, you know, it was, it was a good uh, match, but it was just interesting because it was almost like a rookie camp because none of the main guys – uh, on the starting lineup were in that they were practicing uh, you know on the other rink but it's just different different feel and it's going to be you know very interesting to see what happens um, you know Nick Cordelius was injured in that uh, rookie game against Colorado so he he's out uh, the Ducks provided an update on him and said that he is not going to practice he's got concussion like symptoms so with him out as you mentioned Eddie there's more opportunity for more, you know these players to step up and that's kind of what a lot of you know a lot of our fan questions this week. Uh, you know, we had uh, Melissa asks us, you know, who, who's going to be called to the Ducks from the goals, um, you know, and how the scrimmage go, which we we just talked about a little bit. But 
I think there's a, a lot of room for all kinds of players to come up. I really think it's it's mainly going to be on the offense, you know, obviously. Um, and we'll have to see uh, what happens on the defense, too. But with Raquel and Lindholm out, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, if you look at the offense, I mean, you're talking about Cam Rosa could come up, Case, uh, Nason, uh, Sarbosa. You know, I would have said Cordelius until he got hurt. So there's a lot of forwards that can come up because when you look at this Ducks lineup, and the forwards. You look at the top six forwards. You're talking about Cagliano, Kessler, Getzloff, Perry, and Silverberg. Those are really the top six guys that the Ducks have for sure. And we don't even know if the Kessler's line is going to stay together. But, I mean, those are five of the guys that you would assume would be in the top six. After that, everybody's the bottom six, Eddie. I mean, I mean, uh, Mason Raymond could come up in there. Obviously, Nick Ritchie, too. But it's going to be interesting with Raquel out. There's a lot of room, especially on the forward side of the ice. Yeah, and that's what's disappointing about Nick, uh, Nick Cordillis going down because he was one of the guys we expected to get a lot more, you know, ice time this year and a, and a chance at, at making the roster out of camp or you know coming up during injuries or or anything like that. And you know, it's disappointing to see him go down with another injury and especially a, another concussion, uh, which is something of a trend for him as of late. Which is you know obviously disappointing to see at any time in your career. Um, but early on, uh, I mean, it, it, it's you know hopeful that it isn't a concussion that we can see him come back as soon as possible and maybe get some games with the Ducks this year. But you know, obviously, it's going to be something that they monitor closely. But like you said, it it does give some you know opportunities to say Nick Ritchie, um, you know, Nason, Scarbosa, you know, all those guys, even Corey Trapp, who might not start the season up with the Ducks as well. Uh, so it, it gives options to these guys, and it, and it is nice to see. I mean, not all of them are going to take advantage of those options, and it would be nice to, you know, to have some established guys and, of course, to have mm-hmm. Raquel back and ready to go. But, you know, if not, uh, hopefully some of these guys can come up and, and make their chances. Obviously, Nick Ritchie, we expect him to make the, the team out of camp. You know, he would be a guy that you expect to step up this year. Um, and then Stefan Asin, too, I think those are going to be the, the two big guys to make a, an impact out of camp. But like you said, you know, Scarbosa could come up and play a role. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, um, you know, come the first game. Yeah. And that's another, you know, leads to another fan question. We had, uh, uh Brandon, he asked, you know, does Murray want to use the, the guys from the goals to fill the roster? And I, I don't really think it's a matter of what Murray wants, Eddie. I really think the ducks are going to have to use players because right now you've got Lindholm and Raquel are still up in the air, which we'll cover in a minute. And you're going to have to fill in these spots. I mean, Cordelius out. Um, you could have Theodore or Montour come up and play if Lindholm doesn't get his deal done. Uh, on the forward situation, they're going to have to put in some players. Um, I think the Ducks have to use players in the goals, Eddie. I don't really think it's what Murray wants, you know, whether he wants to or not. I, I just think it's a, it's a must right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have to fill those spots. And obviously, we're, we're not sure even if... Lindholm and Raquel are going to play without contracts. I mean, they have until December 1st to, to sign a contract, a uh, similar situation to Jacob Trieber and Winnipeg, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But, you know, if they don't play, that opens up even more holes. And, yeah, like you said, you have to bring guys up. And even right now, you have to bring guys up to, to replace them. And it all depends, you know, who you bring up, what type of player you need. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's going to be opportunities. There, there could be opportunities on defense as well. Like I said, if Lindholm doesn't play, um, you know, if uh, there's any injuries down the line, you know, Shea Theodore said that he's going to look to make the team out of camp. Uh, Brandon Montour, like we mentioned before, too, is an interesting one. And even some of the, the other guys we, we brought in, too, like Nate Ginnon and Jeff Schultz, those are guys who could come up and be a seventh or sixth guy if there's any injuries. So 
Um, yeah, like there, there's going to have to be spots. And, and you know, Murray uh, might have a little bit of a – if he gets some sign, he might have a little bit more leeway in who he chooses to bring up. But if, you know, if there's a lot of holes on the roster come opening night, some of these guys are going to have to step up and, and, and place more minutes than uh, we would have expected from them. Yeah, and speaking of Lindholm and Raquel, you know, there was a little bit of an update that came out uh, over the weekend. You had, uh, you know, Bob McKenzie from TSN said that Lindholm is not close to being re-signed, which, you know, is not the news. Obviously, I know you're listening, to, you know, right now, if you didn't read the article we put out and you're listening to this now, you're going, you know, great, you know, thanks for that news. But uh, it seems the issue, and of course, this is the issue that contracts almost always come down to, is money. But the issue is trying to find a common ground, Eddie, and, it, and I know that we covered this before, but it, it seems like the issue is you have guys like Seth Jones and Morgan uh, Riley that are making you know 5.4 and 5 million a year, and then you've got people on the high end like Aaron Ekblad that are 7.5 million. So it seems like from what McKenzie is saying is that they're trying to find somewhere in the middle there for uh, Lindholm, but it, it just seems like it's going to be tough because um it's taken so long this far i mean obviously it's you know things aren't working out and um confirmed i've confirmed that too with a couple different sources from the ducks as well and that includes raquel as well it hasn't been you know getting done so you know some people ask are you kind of worried about this and you know right now eddie i have to say yes (laughs) i mean the season's you know upon us and both these guys aren't signed i mean i'm concerned what you know what do you think about uh, raquel and lindholm yeah you know I, I wasn't as worried until the recent news came out about jacob truba and him asking for a trade because deals aren't going well in winnipeg and that's a similar situation to to what lindholm said i think if he had have signed a contract we'd be comparing what he had in with seth jones and morgan riley and aaron Eckblad to what lindholm could get so it's a really comparable situation in their ages and the in the type of impact they have and, and you know the type of players that they are so it's interesting to see that come out of Winnipeg. Uh, you know, his reasoning was that he doesn't think he has the opportunities to to be a top defenseman, and that obviously he's got Dustin Bufflin and some other guys in front of him as well. But you know, they expected him to be to play a big role for for them this season. He played a pretty big role for them last season. So you know, it 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 adds some more worry to the situation now that that's a possibility. Not saying that Lindholm or Raquel will request for trades, but. You know, having such a disparity between, say, Ekblad's contract and Seth Jones, you've got two million dollars in cap space. You know, in 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 comparing the two contracts, so if he's going to sit anywhere around in there, you know, that's a lot of wiggle room for for either team to or player or agent to work around. So, I mean, we all expect him to make around what Riley and Seth Jones make around five point five, but then he has that reference point now with Ekblad at seven and a half, where. You know, from what uh, has come out around with Truba is what he's expecting to get around seven million, and I'm sure at one point you would have to say Lindholm probably and, and his agent asked for something similar. So that's what I would expect to why contracts are taking so long and, and the difference in, in you know in price that the agent and the player think that they deserve and that the team would like to sign them around. And I think that's why it's taking so long. I think the Raquel situation is a little bit different because as a forward. And, you know, the, the issues seemed around the league and around with the Ducks seemed to be revolving around defense. Um, but as a forward, you, I, I thought this deal was a lot easier to get done. I think it was either going to be a bridge deal or sign him for around four, four or five million at tops, and, and that would be it. But, you know, I think with the issues with Lindholm's contract, I think that adds into to how long it's going to take Raquel to get signed. And I think, you know, we talked about how each deal kind of so, kind of relies on the other one to get done. So I think... They kind of have to figure out one price before they can figure out the other one. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people out there that are, are very critical of the GM, Bob Murray. And, uh, you know, they, they get upset with him about these deals not getting done. And, you know, I, I don't like playing the blame game. I don't like pointing fingers at anybody. And, you know, I actually had the opportunity uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, to talk to Bob Murray in person for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I talked to him about both these situations. And, uh, you know, from what he told me is that he made, quote unquote, fair offers to both these players. Now, as far as what that means in terms of dollars and cents, I don't know. You know, he didn't want to tell me. I'm not going to push the issue and ask him. But he said he made fair offers to both these players. And another issue that comes up when you look at the Lindholm situation, you mentioned it, it's his agent, Claude Lemieux. I talked to Murray about this. I asked him, I go, you know, is Claude Lemieux, uh, you know, part of the problem, you know, trying to get this done? I mean, he's a new agent. He's trying to get everything done. And Murray's response was pretty, was pretty you know, um, you know, reserved, but he had told me that, you know, the way Claude Lemieux does things is quote unquote different as opposed to other agents. So, you know, right there that that's part of the, you know, obviously part of the issue on that side. And it takes two to make these deals and get them done. So when people look at Murray and they give a lot of heat on him, you know, don't forget you've got Lemieux as the agent over here trying to push a deal. And I mean, obviously that's his job. He's trying to make the best deal uh, for his player, of course. But you hear this back and forth. It's a big issue with Lindholm. Uh, looking over at Raquel, uh, you know, the other issue, Eddie, now is the fact that he is, you know, injured and resting. I mean, he he went to the World Cup of Hockey. Um, we don't think he, you know, got injured from skating on the ice or whatever. We don't really know for sure. But what happened is from his appendectomy, um, you know, I'm not a, a doctor of science, but basically what happens is sometimes the intestines can get uh, formed a little wrong and there's a blockage and that's basically what happened. So he was in some serious pain and had to have that fixed. But, you know, we don't even know if Raquel can even play by the opening day. I mean, he said that's his goal, but we don't even know. So that is an unfortunate thing on his side because he, you know, is looking to get a deal done. Now he has that issue and he, he's not even 100% ready. And he's got to rest up now, didn't even play in the tournament. So it's a tenuous situation for both of them, Eddie. Um, I just tell people, though, you know, and I get it when you want to get upset at the general manager. I totally understand that. But just don't forget it. You know, there's two sides to each of these agreements, and they gotta they got to find a middle ground somehow. Yeah, for sure. And like I mentioned before, the issue is is the disparity in the contracts that you have to compare it to. I mean, it it all comes down to how valuable – uh, is a player to the team and, and, and his impact uh, to the team and, and what the team can pay. I mean, the Ducks have $7.5 million in cap space. They can't afford to pay Lindholm six, five or $6 million, or sorry, 6 or $7 million. They just can't afford to do it if they want to sign Raquel at the same time. And, and that's not saying that he's not worth 7.5, but I think there's, only, there's a reason why the Panthers signed Aaron Ekblad to a seven and a half million dollar deal because they don't really have any other defensemen at that quality for them right now and, and that are making that big of an impact with their team. You know, they traded Dmitry Kulikov to the Sabres to free up room to sign Ekblad to that kind of deal. And I think that's kind of a, a one off thing. I mean he drafted first overall. He you know, I mean he's a generational player on defense and especially for that organization. He's a right handed shot which so, you know, it doesn't always come into to contract prices, but I think, uh, you know, they're harder to come by. So I think that goes into it as well. And really looking at Morgan Riley and Seth Jones, I think that's where his value should be. 
um, around five and a half million dollars. And you even look at Vatnin's contract as well, which is under five million. I mean, Vatnin has more of an offensive impact to the game. Obviously, Lindholm is a better all-around defenseman, but does he really deserve, you know, two or three million dollars more than Vatnin makes? I don't think many people would say he does. Um, when you say, you know, Murray offered him what he thinks is fair. Um, you would expect that to be around that range. Um, but, you know, of course, the player and the agent are always going to try and get the best for the player. Um, and that's going to create issues with the contract. I think we're all surprised it's taken this long and that's still going on and that we might start the season with both of them not having any contracts. I don't think anybody thought it was going to take that long. Um, but, you know, hopefully, I think all we can hope for now is that things start to develop fast and we don't go the, the same route that the Winnipeg Jets and, and Jacob Trouber went. You know, that that's another fan question. You know, we had Marcos Aguilar. He asks, you know, are the Ducks going to trade either one of these players? And, I mean, it, it's it, it's a possibility. Um, you know, they both haven't requested to be traded yet. That hasn't come out, like you said, with the uh, Truba and the Winnipeg Jets scenario. Uh, you know, the Ducks have been mentioned in trade rumors with Truba, but Truba's another defenseman. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting situation. I don't know if the Ducks would try to send Fowler over there. You know, that, I mean, obviously Fowler's been the one that had been rumored for a long time. Nothing happened. You know, I don't know if Lindholm is one that they would try to make a move for. Um, you know, it's interesting because, like you said, with the cap space right now at $7.5 million, it, it, you know, it, you know, it's tough to sign both of these guys. It's going to be hard. I mean, if you could sign Lindholm at 5 and Raquel at, you know, between the 2 and 3 range, it would work out. But, I mean, you're going right up to the cap, which, you know, the team doesn't usually do that. That's not what the Samuelis usually do, but they're gonna, they're kind of in a position where they're going to have to do that this year. So I, I would like for them to sign both, but I still don't think a trade's, you know, out of the question, Eddie. It's just going to be a matter of if the Ducks are going to, you know, trade Lindholm and try and get a huge return, or are they going to try and trade one of the other defensemen? Because that's what they're going to have to do in order to, you know, make uh, cap room and, and also fill some of these forward spots. Yeah, and, and it might be... an interesting trade uh i mean i don't think they trade one for one fowler or lindholm for truba i don't think it makes sense for them uh, i mean we've got bieksa and uh manson and, and vatnin down the right with montour uh, everybody expecting to be ready you know not this season but next season and, and probably place you know some significant time maybe close to what theodore played last year so you know 15 to 20 games um but yeah, I mean, if it could, we could see something that you don't see often, and and a lot. I saw a lot of people mentioning this on Twitter, and, and that's like a, a three-team trade, something you know that I don't, I don't even remember the last time we saw anything like that. But it's rumored that Winnipeg is looking for a comparable left-shot defenseman, so a younger left-shot defenseman, uh, to in comparison to, to uh, Jacob Truba. Um, you could see something like the Ducks, obviously, who are abundant on that side. They could send, uh, you know, Fowler or, or Lindholm over to Winnipeg, receive Truba in return, and then quickly move Truba to a different team. Say, I, I don't know, the Edmonton Oilers have been rumored, the uh, Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres, the Detroit Red Wings, send Truba over to another team uh, for a forward. And, and that's obviously what we've been looking for, and I think, you know they can definitely afford to move a defenseman. I think most of us would hope it's not Hampus Lindholm. Uh, but in any way, do we move Fowler for Truba and then that's it and keep them? I don't think so. You bring in a guy like Truba who is also a restricted free agent. Then you have you you do 
move out Fowler's contract, but then you have three guys to sign, and you've only got $11 million in cap space. So I don't think that is an option, but we could see a three-player trade. And, you know, it doesn't happen often, but in a situation like this where there's going to be multiple teams who, who need different things, I think it, it's definitely an option. Yeah, and it would be interesting, like you said. I, I don't remember when there's been the last, uh, you know, trade involving three teams. But with the way things are going right now, um, it's it's going to be interesting to see if Raquel or Lindholm request a trade. Because the other part of this thing is, if they don't play by December, Eddie, and things don't get done, then they're done for the season. They're they're not going to be able to play. Uh, you know, that so that's the thing. There's kind of a ticking. You know, not necessarily a time bomb, but there's a ticking clock here that they got to get this figured out before December. So, I mean, they can try and hold out if they want, uh, if that's what their plan is. I, you know, I don't know about that. I, didn't, I haven't talked to either one of them. But, I mean, if they're going to, you know, play this waiting game, it's kind of a disadvantage to both of them because they're not playing, they're not helping the team, they're not making money. I mean, they're kind of in limbo. So, um, you know, I would hope that look, you know, Lindholm and Raquel would either get deals done, or then, if not, do request a trade. At least get some resolution to the situation. Obviously, I don't want them traded. I rather the Ducks keep both of these guys. And you know, that's uh, you know, kind of leads to another fan question from uh, Mike Davis. He asked, you know, are you panicked, you know, about the Ducks roster? And and that kind of goes into other questions we've had about you know the team's chances this year and whatnot. And to be honest, I am, Eddie. If, if the Ducks don't have Lindholm and Raquel on this team, uh, the Ducks are going to be a good team. They're going to go far. Uh, you know, They're going to do decent. We talked about them. They're probably still going to be in the t- top three um, in the division, we hope. But without Lindholm and Raquel, as far as the Ducks going deep in the playoffs and being a Stanley Cup favorite, I'm sorry, they're they're not. I mean, they need these guys, or they need to trade and get something comparable. Or so, I mean, they got to do something because these two guys are, are very good players, and they're extremely important for the Ducks. Lindholm on the defense, of course, and Raquel being a top six, uh, you know, forward and or you know he can be wing or center. So that's another bonus with him. So I'm just, I mean, we're you know we're usually positive about everything with the Ducks and, and whatnot, but we're also objective here, and, and they got to get these guys signed. Uh, or traded or figured out somehow, Eddie, in, in order for the Ducks to have you know another serious run at the Stanley Cup. Yeah, because if you go into the season with these issues, you're you're you know banking on that a lot of other guys can step up. Uh, if Raquel and Lindholm aren't signed and they opt not to play at the start of the season, you're asking guys like you know Shea Theodore to come up and and, and play a significant role and really fill Lindholm's shoes until either he gets signed or gets traded. Um, and, you know, we all think he could do that, but that's a lot to ask from a player right off the, the beginning of the season and, and rely on him and then really no reliable backup to that if something was to happen to him or if he wasn't playing well. Um, and the same thing goes for Raquel. You're asking guys like Nick Ritchie and, and Stefan Nason and, and, you know, even to new guys like Antoine Vermette and Mason Raymond to produce at a significantly higher level than that, than that would be have expected uh, from them at the beginning of the season, if he isn't there to play in, and really nobody is going to uh, even nobody, none of those guys are going to replace the creativity that R- Raquel would bring to the lineup. But you're asking a lot of those guys to step up, and, and maybe more than they would have at the beginning of the season. So it is an issue, and, and like you said, uh, you know we're not asking for a trade, and we would love to have both of these guys back, uh, you know, without having to trade them. But 
know, if, if it doesn't get resolved by the start of the season and they can't play, it's going to really hurt the Ducks' chances early on. I mean, they can't get off to a bad start like they did last year. They have to, to get off to a good start. And it's always nice to have the locker room set for the season at the, you know, become the first game. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it. Um, I honestly hope they both do get signed, you know, if not before the start of the season, you know, within a couple of weeks of the start of the season. But, you know, uh, with the whole Truba thing coming out now, it, it kind of throws a wrench into that. We really don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's going to be a tense couple of weeks coming up for Ducks fans, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's not the news, obviously, everybody wants to hear. I mean, the the flip side, the good thing uh, is, you know, there's opportunities for these younger guys, as we mentioned earlier, to come up and, and step into some roles and, and play better. Uh, it also gives, like you said, Mason Raymond a chance to, you know, maybe play top six role, uh, Nick Ritchie to play a top six role, uh, you know, more of the forwards, uh, Nason, Sarbosa, you know, if Cardelius gets better, he can come up there, um, a chance. So there may be some names that you're not necessarily familiar with uh, come opening night. And I mean, we'll most likely have a podcast next week and we'll cover all that and bring in all the updates. But as of right now, you know, as, as we talked about in the article, it's up in the air as far as the Ducks roster and, and the lineups and how it's all going to pan out. It's going to be interesting. We're going to watch, you know, those preseason games are going to be coming up uh, tonight and this week and we'll see how they go. Uh, as far as the NHL, you know, there hasn't been too much news around the league. I mean, obviously, everybody's been focused on the World Cup of Hockey, of course. Um, but we did have one one big signing. You had uh, Marchant getting his uh, deal, uh, you know, uh, done for eight years and uh, $49 million. I thought it was a little interesting, uh, this deal. It seemed like he maybe took a little bit of a pay cut, Eddie. I mean, maybe he could have got a little bit more money. What do you, what do you think on this deal? Yeah, I, I think... Six point one two is the annual average value for for his contract over eight years, and I think it is a long term contract. He is pretty young. I mean, he, he's on Team Canada this year. It looks like his career is trending upwards, and you know he's come a long way from being just a pest player uh, to scoring over thirty goals last year and, and, and really breaking out and, and having a career uh, career year last year. So if he can do that every season, I mean they're getting a steal at just over six million dollars. Um, it's hard to say with a player like Marshawn. He he's always going to be a good player. And I think he's always going to be worth that six million. Um, but I think you know if he can continue to score twenty five, thirty goals a season, uh, I mean they've got a good value here, and he's probably has taken a pay cut to stay in Boston and and play with Bergeron and Krejci and now Bacchus and and actually you know contend for a playoff spot this year. So I think. Uh, I think they've definitely gotten a, a good deal with him. And, you know, looking at some of the comments that he said, too, is he said Boston's become his second home. He loves it there. He's excited what's ahead for the team. So it looks like, you know, he, he definitely wants to spend his whole career there and, and may have taken a pay cut just to do so. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think he did take a little bit of a pay cut. You know, maybe he could have got a little bit more. But, you know, if that's where you want to be and the organization treats you right, uh, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good deal for him. So, you know, I'm happy for him, and I think he'll do pretty good. You know, like you said, he's uh, been doing, you know, better on the offense and not just, uh, you know, running around being an agitator. So good deal for him, uh, hopefully all the way around. And uh, I guess the only other news, uh, kind of interesting news around, the, you know, the league is uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they kind of had an interesting mascot, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> they decided to go with this uh, Lynx uh, mascot. And, uh, wow, the uh, the social media response wasn't too great, Eddie. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, <laughs> it it was kind <laughs> of a nightmare uh, for their PR team on, on social media. It just got like shut down automatically right when it got released 
I don't know how it got through everybody. I don't know how how everybody in the Oilers organization okayed this and said, yeah, this is probably the best bet for our mascot because it's a frightening mascot. I mean, <laughs> it looks like you would buy it for Halloween and wear it out on, on and, and that would be it. But I mean, it's something that they said they've they've taken some time and and they've you know asked kids around the area and and, and you know had a, a lot of thought put into it and they came up with Hunter the Lynx for their mascot. I I still don't get the whole the whole thing with with some teams and they have mascots and, and they have nothing to really do with with the team and the team name themselves. I mean it's the Edmonton Oilers and you have a Lynx as your mascot. I saw a uh, recommendation on Twitter where they could have just had a, an oil drop named Slick and that would have been a lot more appropriate and probably a lot less frightening um, <laughs> if they are going to go that way. I mean, it would make more sense for the team because it's the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, in some cases it, it makes a little bit of sense. You know, the Montreal Canadiens, it's kind of hard to generalize what a Canadian is. Uh, they do have a giant green alien, which still doesn't make any sense. But, <laughs> you know, the, the the mascots always just amaze me. Um it's just funny with social media nowadays and and how quickly something like this can backfire on you. Um, I saw the hashtag meth cat was trending yesterday (laughs) (laughs) talking about the, uh, about the mascot. So, I mean, this quickly backfired on them. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're stuck with it now, so they're gonna have to weather the storm and just kind of go with it. But yeah, I, from what the, the general reaction from, from the public and and the people on Twitter was that it was a, a pretty frightening mascot. Well, you know what's funny is uh, some of the older Duck fans will remember this back in the Mighty Ducks days. You know, Wild Wing actually wasn't the original mascot of the Ducks. If you go back, it was the Iceman. And they had this guy that was in all silver, you know, dressed up out there, um, riding the Zamboni and all the stuff in the beginning. And, I mean, of course, this is back in 93, it, like you, you were talking about before all this, you know, social media craze, obviously. And there was some serious backlash to that one. Um, because you know the Ice Man cometh and the Ice Man left. <laughs> I mean, he was only there for the one game, and he was done. I mean, because a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, I remember people were booing. They thought it was you know um, a lame idea, you know, and uh, he was done. And it was the same kind of the same thing like you were saying, Eddie. Though it's like I mean, you're the Ducks, and you have a, a guy dressed in all a silver suit saying he's the Ice Man. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like that has nothing to do with the Ducks. So the Ducks got it right, obviously, when they, they got Wildling. And if you remember when they brought him out, he, he uh, didn't have a name at first. And they had a contest, and um, which they've done with a lot of things. They're doing it now. with a, I saw they posted something about a new drink or something they're having. They're having a contest for that, too. But they did a contest, and uh, one of the fans named a Wildling, and the Ducks got it right with their mascot. Um, so thankfully they did. But, yeah, the situation with the Oilers, I mean – uh, I don't know if they didn't do any surveys or they didn't, you know, ask uh, people outside the organization. I mean, I, I don't know what their process was in doing this, but you know, I don't. I've only seen maybe one or two positive comments, unfortunately, Eddie. And uh, you know, if they're going to stick with that, I don't know. They're going to have to try and, you know, I don't know, figure something out because, like you said, it's it's like I mean, Halloween's around the corner, but I don't know how that's going to pan out. I mean, I, I just I think the oil slick one's a really good idea. Yeah, I think kudos to the Oilers social media guy for weathering the storm yesterday. All the tweets I saw about him were were trying to trying to be positive about the situation, <laughs> ignoring all the negative tweets coming in. But I mean, it was just a nightmare. I mean, 
it just blew up so fast too. I remember seeing a picture of it. I didn't before it was in before they released it as the the Oilers mascot, and I saw the picture of the links, and I wasn't sure what it was for. I was just scrolling through Twitter, and then you know, obviously a couple couple minutes later, about a half an hour later, I see the Edmonton Oilers tweet about their first ever mascot hunter, and I and then right from there on, it just just caught on and and went south so fast. So I mean. No kudos to him for for being able to weather that, but uh, yeah, I mean they said they they went to schools, they they had kids vote, they had a bunch of people vote, but I mean obviously not when you look at the negative uh, in, you know negative outlook that everybody's had on, on it. So I'm sure they'll have to keep it now, um, but you know I don't know how long Hunter the Lynx is going to last as, as the <laughs> mascot. Yeah, like I told you, the Ice Man only lasted you know not even really a game, but basically one game with the Ducks. So. Ugh, let's see what the Oilers will do. But um, with that, I mean, we're pretty much going to wrap up the show. Um, you know, it's a new season, and we're giving away a lot of stuff. We have our contest that we're doing on here for uh, the opening night tickets, uh, where we give away the key. You know, we mentioned a keyword at the end of each show. Uh, if you go back to the last show, we gave up the first word. Uh, in this show, the word is Anaheim. So make sure you write that word down, Anaheim. Go back, listen to the last one if you haven't heard what the other word was there. And, um Basically, the next couple shows, we'll announce certain words. They come up with a key phrase, and then we'll ask you to email us the phrase, and we just randomly pick a winner. So we're doing that for the home opener, and uh, we have some tickets for the preseason games, and we're giving away those as well on, on, on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. So look for those. Um, there's, uh, I believe, three of the games that we have tickets for that we're giving away. So we'll be doing that, and we'll have more contests and more things to give away throughout the season. And, uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully getting uh, Lindholm and Raquel signed and uh, the start of the season uh, to get going here pretty soon. So uh, let's go Ducks. <laughs> 